G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. And talking more Christmas over this next hour and how to make this coming Christmas the best ever for your family. We'll look to identify some simple shortcuts, rethinking and simplifying our approach to Christmas. And there may be some ways to safeguard our time and our energy so that we can create the relaxed, Christ-centred Christmas that we've always wanted for our families. Well, how do you decide to put reasonable limits on what you will or won't do for Christmas? And if you take your family along with you on the planning journey, old and new traditions can help make your Christmas an amazing event rather than an exercise in stress and struggle. Who better to be able to welcome to be part of a conversation about making Christmas a little more stress-free than Brett and Kate Ryan. They lead Focus on the Family Australia. And of course, marriage and relationships are at the heart of what they do best. And they have great insights into how we can right-size our expectations and have a stress-free Christmas. Let me say a special welcome along. Firstly to you, Kate. Welcome. Thank you, Neil. It's so lovely. What about me? What about me? <laughs> well, I was going ladies first. Uh, welcome to you too, Brett. Ah, oh, thanks very much, Neil. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, well, let me start with this, and I'll come to Kate first. Uh, Christmas. <laughs> Tis the season for the best Christmas ever. Could you actually guarantee that will happen, Kate? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't guarantee that. I mean, we've had our fair share of... Uh, Interesting Christmases, will we say that? Um, you, it's, but look, let's face it, we've got to kind of try and set it up as best we can to have some measure of, of the word success isn't probably the best word, but you know what I mean, uh, with relationships that is. Brett, the best Christmas ever, that might be an aspiration, but uh, if it's better than your previous experiences, do you think then if you do have a better Christmas than before, you're on a winning trajectory? Well, I would say that no two Christmases are the same. If you go in with an expectation that it's going to be exactly the same and how good it was last year or how bad it was, you're going to set yourself up for failure. So you have to right-size your expectations. Um, obviously, as faith followers, we want Christ as the centre. We want to honour him with how we relate to one another, how we put him first in our conversation and in how we interact with others. But most importantly, when we go in with um, a, with a, an expectation that everything is going to be perfect for all those control listeners out there, control freaks, you have to actually maybe just go, go in with an expectation that things may not go to plan, and that's okay. And, yeah, but with that, the only thing that we are in control of, of is our behaviour and how we treat others. So if we go in doing that, uh, doing that well and honouring and respecting others, then if we achieve that, then it's going to be good. 
Hey, you know, we talk about a Christ-centered Christmas. <laughs> Let me just ask your thoughts here on some reality, and you might have some perspectives to offer here, because undoubtedly there will be listeners who are saying, well, we don't go to church at Christmas time. In fact, Christmas at our house is all about Santa and eating a lot of good food and, uh, you know, the uncles turn up and they've brought their alcohol with them. Actually, they've got a Christ-less Christmas. I wonder if you've got any thoughts. Is this the sort of reality that a, a lot of families, I mean, you know, it's a great aspiration, isn't it? We're going to have a Christ-centered Christmas, but for a lot of families, just not the case, is it? Yeah, that's very true. Very true. And um, But as if you're going with a mindset, because there, are, there is some give and take. You may not be able to get to church on that particular day because, A, the church may not be having a service. B, uh, it may be too difficult with everyone coming and you want to prepare everything. So there is an aspect that it may not be as practical to do the going to church part. And you always have people in your family, in your relationship dynamics, that may not have uh, a Christ-orientated uh, time. But it doesn't mean we can we can't diminish it. It's how we, and as Kate's already said, how we think and serve the people around us, our Christ-like attitude. Um, we are in control of that. And, and I think people will pick up on that. Um, you might be able to have a, a, a grace, and then grace could be the centre part of this. Um, music. The, music the, around the place. Yeah, the, yeah. whether you've got um, the Christ-centred carols that, that you, you know, that they know, but they don't necessarily understand what's behind them. Uh, but having that on, so your home can be an environment just of love. And the other thing you could do is, I mean, if you've got an activity scene um, that you can talk have the kids it. to talk about it with the grandchildren or the children around the place, mm-hmm. um, have them act it out. It can be, make it a little, a, a little bit different or a little bit fun if you actually make it come alive, the actual story of Christmas. As you say, on the Christmas day, it's not always so easy to draw this special attention to the value of what we might think of as a Christ-centred Christmas. But we're still days out from Christmas yet, and sometimes uh, right from the beginning of December, and you know, a lot of people, they celebrate Advent and they count down to Christmas. Uh, Really, it's not too late, is it? If you want to have a Christ-centred Christmas, uh, what you do in the lead-up now before Christmas Day might be just as important as making time and interrupting everybody's celebration on the day. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I've got a girlfriend who got hold of an Advent calendar. And uh, she and her family were setting up their Christmas tree and they did that on the 10th of December, so they were 10 days in. Um, But they opened up all the calendar sections and there were some practical to-do things as well for people around you. So one of the days was pray for those in need. One was to do something for those in need, uh, whether it was making food or whatever it was. Uh, And one was to send a text and encourage somebody. Um, and so all of those things were focused around uh, others, others so loving others, and others were just worshipping God, you know. So it, it, it was a beautiful way to, whilst you're putting up the Christmas tree, is to really be focusing on what God has asked us to do, and that's to love him and love others. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. I just, just talking to her about it, she said it was the most special time together. 
And we actually, on our website at families.org.au, we've actually got an advent calendar. And it's not too late, even though it's only a few days out, you might be able to look at the devotions or the, mm. the discussions that you can have with your children about bringing Jesus. He is the real reason for the season of why we're celebrating. There's nothing wrong with Santa. There's nothing wrong with, well, some people might say there's something wrong with Santa, but you know, there's nothing wrong with giving gifts and there's nothing wrong with the gathering together with family and friends yeah. and giving gifts, but it's actually why are we celebrating and it's who we are celebrating, the Saviour King. Let's talk about uh, perhaps even we'll get practical things right through our conversation. Uh, the thought that, you know, each Christmas there is a little bit of a getting of wisdom and we hope that uh, with every year that passes we're a little wiser about how Christmas works and uh, the family gathering and all of the complexities of that. I mentioned in the introduction the thought of bringing the family along on the journey with you so that it's not one person doing all the work, uh, sharing the workload along the way. If you're talking about a stress-free Christmas, undoubtedly some sort of a family gathering might be a useful thing. Uh, where do you, I guess, Kate, let me come to you. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to assume that you're the one who usually bears all the burden of Christmas at your place, but, I, but you know, I, how do we start yeah. here? <laughs> Uh, well, actually, from very early on, we when we're doing a family thing, everybody brings something. Uh, one year was a particularly stressful year uh, for many, and so I hadn't had a you know around this time I had not had a stressful time, and so I said, look, I'll do it all. So everybody goes, okay, well, we'll give you fifty dollars from our family, and you know, fifty dollars, whatever. And so everybody still contributed, but they did it in a monetary way. But this year, everybody is bringing something. Hey, let me come to some thoughts about the typical Ryan Christmas. Um, you know, because some people say Christmas at our house is just a drama all the time. Uh, I wish it could be perfect like they have at the Ryan's. Uh, <laughs> Who do I come to here? Let me just say, uh, Kate, what's what's the typical Christmas like in the Ryan household? Well, to be quite honest, the Ryan household Christmases have been lovely. However, I do have stories from growing up uh, where they were not quite so lovely. One year we decided that we'd go the, to the Botanical Garden, which is in Melbourne, uh, just so that everybody brought their own and one thing to share. Um, and so it would be more relaxed. Uh, and so out in nature, you think that's going to be delightful. However, we were running a fraction late and um, mum had put a pav on the ground to which one of us stepped in. Uh, we got, start to get out of the car. We see an uncle and auntie walking past us to get back in their car to go home because somebody looked at them the right way or didn't say hello. Um, so before we even got there, we had family members leaving uh, we'd stepped in the food and we'd already been arguing in the car getting to the park. So it, it, the whole thing went to, you know, the place and uh, it was a schmuzzle. I don't even know that we, anybody stayed. Ooh. I think everybody packed up and went home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, those sorts of memories, uh, they're amazing memories. Uh, you know, for some oh, families... For some families, uh, the alcohol consumption on Christmas Day can bring out the worst in some family members. Uh, that's yeah. one, I guess, you can try and uh, you know head off at the pass and make some sort of uh, mild rules before 
Christmas gets underway. Thoughts from you, Brett, when it comes to, you know, some of the things that can go wrong. Oftentimes it's around issues of alcohol. Yeah, I mean, it's not just even just the relationships or alcohol. If it's, you know, Uncle John who comes along and he's already had a few before he's arrived. So I would be actually um, trying to be more proactive and having a conversation earlier rather than later and, and have and say, look, this year we are trying to make this a, as stress-free as possible. Uh, we'd appreciate, we love having you here, Uncle John. However, um, we're actually going to have a, a limit amount of alcohol being served at the event. So he knows ahead of, hand, ahead of time rather than coming with an expectation that's going to be uh, all on for everyone. Um, so being much more prepared or proactive, as I said, having the conversations, that may even also be with those difficult relatives uh, in the past, maybe having a conversation before the event. Hey, we want to make this a really fun event. And we want to make it really enjoyable for everyone. Um, can we have a chat about some of the issues throughout the year? And we have these conversations now before the Christmas day. And, and I think that's really important to also be aware that Christmas celebrations, and as Kate was saying, we've had some lovely Christmas celebrations, but we don't always have it on Christmas Day. We share the 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 day, so to speak. The 25th is maybe for one family, um, especially when your children get married and um, have their own uh, in-laws to connect with and other family members. So we shouldn't be so dogmatic about it has to be on our day. We can share those those um, the atmosphere of of joy and forgiveness and grace. And, and also just saying, hey, we're going to have our special day on the 22nd or the 23rd or the Boxing Day or the 27th. It doesn't matter. We're still coming together as a family. You know, if you've got um, people in your family and sometimes you get those abrasive times, uh, even the point where sometimes in a family some will decide not to turn up for the family Christmas because they know they just don't get on with uh, Uncle Arthur or whoever it might be that, you know, rubs them up the wrong way. What about this thought of, of having two Christmases, extending your Christmas celebration with family, having, you know, sometimes you've got families meet together on Christmas Eve and then they meet with another part of the family on Christmas Day. Is that a way to resolve some of those issues, just do things a little differently? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, it happens a lot where there's been broken marriages, um, where they do one house with dad, uh, Christmas with dad and Christmas with mum. And so that is a really good way to manage it. So that there isn't pain or extra pain associated with Christmas Day. Um, you want to, particularly for the children, particularly for the children, you want to set a good example. So if you if you want things to go smoothly, sometimes you've got to make concessions and do it a bit differently. Um, because you, you want, let's face it, we can all look back at our childhoods and remember so many Christmas days uh, that... We want them to be good memories. We really need to step up. And set the tone. And set the tone. We do. Mm. Uh, you know, what about the possibilities of reconciliation on Christmas? Yeah. Is I mean, sometimes we're talking about how to manage the divisions, how to manage the conflict, but is there a way you can think of being proactive and perhaps uh, get some reconciliations happening? Because I know there's a lot of divided families. Any thoughts from yeah. you, Brett? Uh, very much so. I alluded to it just yeah. earlier about maybe having a conversation, the phone call before the, before the day, a coffee, um, you know, catch up with one another 
and 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 it's not necessarily you may not necessarily resolve every issue, but it takes the tension away. And, and we want to say, hey, this is not about us, and we may not be able to resolve all the issues, but we want to take the sting out of the the battle, and we show civility on the day. We want to show um, grace to one another, and if we can do that, we set a tone. People may already be aware that this is an uncomfortable situation to have, you know, you both in the same room together. But it's not about you. It's about the bigger picture. And it's also about how God sent his son Jesus for all of us, not just for the, the, the ones who behave themselves, who tick all the boxes and, uh, and actually look the part. We all have different family members who come in all different shapes and sizes. And so we need to make sure ultimately that you are safe you're not going into a volatile situation you know ask yourself do i need to go to this event because if you're feeling unsafe if someone is toxic towards you that's not healthy for you and it's not healthy for everyone else but making sure that you may have some other safe people around um you know that you're not going to be isolated you're going to have other people in your corner a support network mm. or a safe place to land and uh, and then we also know that we all have different aspects of um, stresses and anxiety are coming to either seeing uh, um, a certain person, but also maybe seeing a number of people that can also cause um, uh, an unrest in you and that anxiety builds up. So I think Kate would, would like to talk about maybe an exit strategy for everyone. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day that if there is something that you need to, I suppose, escape uh, because it's too intense for you, you might have struggle with anxiety or mental health, or you might be uh, Christmas might not be a good time for you because there's grief associated, whether somebody's died or a relationship breakdown, etc. But you know, just letting the person who's even holding the Christmas let them know that there might be a moment, you know, maybe a, a little towel um, that you you just it's I need to just leave for a minute. Um, get myself. We we suggested the other day that you can just go outside and pat the dog, or mm. you know just remove yourself from the situation. Maybe if you're going to say something, or maybe you're feeling anxious, maybe you're feeling sad, whatever it is, choose what it is beforehand that you would feel that would lift you up or calm you down. Um, choose that and let the person who's hosting know that if I disappear, this is why. Uh, Christmas morning, Christmas lunch, they can be very busy and very tiring. Is there something good or not so good about uh, having an afternoon nap on Christmas Day? I mean, you know, I guess, you know, if you're looking real luxury, well, I'm going to have a nap right now, especially while everyone else yeah. is washing up dishes. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Half of the course, the minute everybody eats so much, you see everybody sitting on the couch with their eyes closed. Yeah. But I think that. Speaking of which, the dishes, everybody should help clear. Um, I've been speaking to someone lately who they said, we host it every year. My family helps, but everybody else sits there like they're supposed to be waited on hand and foot. Um, She said, we understand with the elderly, you know, that they have served a lot of people over the years and we just want to serve them. But everybody else should be getting up, helping clear the table, putting the dishes in the dishwasher, I tell you what we've gone to is, dis- I'm sorry for all those eco-friendly people, we have gone to disposable um, plates and cups and things like bowls so that we are not wasting our time, we- so that we've just got time together uh, and we can just we get out a big plastic bag and it all goes in there 
um, so that we don't spend the whole time in the kitchen clearing, washing, etc. Um, that's one of those things to reduce stress. Yeah, and another thing is have the conversation earlier. This year we're prepared. Um, can you and let people know in advance what their roles and responsibilities yeah. are for the day? You're going to be looking after the drinks. You're going to be looking after the snacks. You're going to be looking after clearing up afterwards. If everyone knows what their role is, and they can take a bit more ownership, ownership of it. So it, it, it shares the responsibility, and it, and it means that one person or a couple of people aren't carrying the burden. And that makes it so it's enjoyable for yeah. you and for those around you. Because when you're not your best self, It'll come out somewhere with an attitude. Like we, you hear the example of Mary and Martha. You know, um, you know Martha was scurrying around doing everything, and, and she got a seed of resentment. We don't want to have a seed of resentment or bitterness towards our family members, and we want to make it a really a stress-free Christmas with Christ at the centre. So we're doing, we're actually doing a cousin's Christmas, um, where all of um, our children's cousins are coming. Um, and then that's not at our house, that's at somebody else's house. Then we've got our family one on the 23rd. But then on Christmas Day, we're doing elderly people. So both our mums and two other elderly women. Um, and so that's the day where we will just serve them. Wonderful stuff. Hey, when we talk Christmas this year, there's something a little different to what we have been used to of recent times, uh, the cost of living crisis. Uh, that so many families are hit by this year. Uh, when we talk about right-sizing, uh, for a lot of people, those excesses and luxuries that we might have been used to in some years gone by, some of those are going to have to go by the wayside. And no doubt that causes its own levels of anxiety uh, when you feel like you maybe are not doing enough, that the family expectation yeah. might be too high. Uh, right-sizing in a cost-of-living challenge, how do you th- see things here, Brett? Well, I think it's important that you have a budget and you talk about it with your spouse. There's no point in having one person saying, oh, yeah, we're going to keep, t- we, yeah, we agree. And then the other person puts everything on the credit card and then you get that surprise um, bill in January or February. And that adds further stress to the relationship. So agree together. This is our budget. This is the amount we can spend. And I would encourage people to spend beneath their means, not within their means, but beneath their means. Be realistic. Also, talk about this with your children. Yes. Talk about it with, you know, like we've got limited finances and, and, and we would like to restrict um, the gift giving to either one, two, or if we just want to be as biblical as possible, there was three wise men and they had three gifts. We're going to have three gifts. Um, and then that is a way of actually including them. But I remember one year with our boys, instead of um, uh, saying, what do you want to get? We said, this is the amount we're going to spend and we're going to give, use that money to give to an, a charity or to a person within need. And they got really excited about, you know, sponsoring a goat. Yes, yeah, buying uh, a goat or, or a sewing machine. Yeah. Or, yeah, they chose what they wanted to buy for the people in need. And it was the loveliest Christmas, wasn't yeah. it? Because it wasn't focused on them. It was outward focused. And they loved it. They actually loved it. Because, you know, if you think about how many gifts that kids get, and how long they actually play with them. And and so, unfortunately, the I, suppose, I don't want to be so severe as to say entitled, but, you know, they want the iPhone or the iPad or the, 
whatever it is, a very, very expensive gift. And that is not possible. And so right-sizing for many people, that is not possible. And they feel like they're not giving their children what they need what they need if they don't give it to them. But I think that's where parents need to realise is there's a very big difference between need and want. And I guess that also includes having conversations with family members about the limits, the, the, yeah. the, the budget that we're going to stay within, and that's what we're going to stick to. And that can actually really, really uh, make it as stress-free as possible. And reducing the number of gifts you actually buy. So we decided that um, years ago now, when all our kids got married, is that we're just going to put, for our side of the family, just going to put names all in a hat. Oh, well, it's called a Secret Santa thing now. There's an app for it, of course. Um, and you put everybody's name in. You get two people. You spend $50 on each person. That's it. Funny, isn't it, that you know retailers will be shaking their heads and going, oh, those Ryans, they're going to ruin our Christmas. And, uh, you know, retailers, they no doubt will be bracing themselves because when they check the figures... At uh, the end of December, and they say, how did the Christmas sales and the New Year sales go? Uh, they're going to be somewhat disappointed because in a cost of living crisis uh, and with the rising of mortgage uh, interest rates, no doubt there's lots less money in the economy that's being spent at retailers who were hoping for a good Christmas and they will be disappointed. But but here's, uh, I'll just get your thoughts here because... I've been hearing there might be an upside to all of that because when we spend less, the economy slows and inflation may actually come down a little quicker than the forecasts have been and that in itself may take pressure off interest rates when the Reserve Bank gets back to, you know, deliberating about how our mortgage is going to look. So in one sense here... A little bit of pairing back actually might have some good uh, outcomes. Any thoughts from either of you on the, on the economics of Christmas and the fact yeah. that we might not be spending so much? Well, I mean, let's face it, the stats that came out just recently was that the average person will spend $1,000. $1,050 oh, per person. I'm per thinking, person. That's not me. And we went, no. oh, we're $1,800. <laughs> off that, <laughs> um, but I, but absolutely. I mean, the inflation has been huge. The pressure it's put on people who own houses with mortgages—it's been extraordinary. Um, we're just looking at our own kids who are, have mortgages, and you just every time you talk to them, oh, it's gone up another two hundred or four hundred or seven hundred. Or it has been ridiculous, and it's put a lot of pressure on them. But at the same time, in all of that, you do learn to live on less. You know, when you take Christ out of Christmas, now this might create here, I'm just thinking of the contrast, but if you take Christ out of Christmas, all you're left with is a consumerist attitude and it becomes all about me and what sort of gifts or presents that I might receive this Christmas and sets you up for all sorts of disappointments, but a thought or two, I mean, this is something we don't often talk about, but, you know, Christ in Christmas helps to moderate a whole lot of things that can go very badly wrong when you have a consumerist attitude, when you're completely self-absorbed by the idea of valuable gifts getting given at this time of year. Either of you got any thoughts on that? Well, I think many people think if you really love me, you'll know what I want. Um, and that sets people up to fail for a start. Um, and also, I just, when you do 
focus on the present and not on being with the precious people that are in your life. And often that is not necessarily your family. Some people don't have the relationship with their family that, you know, others do. Yeah, what they desire. And so there are friends that have become their family. Um, our One of our sons and his wife have opened up their house to anybody who doesn't have a soft place to land. And that's on Christmas Day. And it's such a lovely thing. I mean, they were inundated last year when they did it, of young people who didn't have a soft place to land. And I just think that's so important that it wasn't about the gift. It was about, about the fact that somebody cared enough to open their home so they would have somewhere to go. And I think another aspect would be that, you know, if, if we, we look at the bigger picture, that the whole essence of why God sent his son was out of love for us. Yep. And if we have a mindset that we want to love those people around us, our presence, E-N-C-E, is much more important than our presence, our gifts, our ENTSs. Yeah. And I think if we can actually continue to reinforce that it's out of love and together and family and how God, in his infinite love for each and every one of us, sent his son Jesus so that we can have wholeness and relationship with him for an ultimate goal of when we celebrate Easter, his death and his resurrection, it brings us into perspective. It's not about the, 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 the fun and the levity, which is all good, and there are nothing wrong with that, but it's actually putting in, in perspective that he first loved us, and therefore we're doing this out of love and recognition for our loved ones, our, those who may not have a safe place to land, mm-hmm. as Kate says, to be looking out for other people. And our perspective will change. If we all do that, then our whole Christmas season will be one of, wow, that can be the best Christmas because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about the presence. It was actually me being fully aware of those around me to show Christ's love to others. You know, I can imagine some listeners thinking, uh, this all sounds very good, but how do I make a start in changing the culture of my family Christmas? I mean, not everybody is in control of everything that happens on Christmas Day or in the lead up to Christmas. And you think, well, I would love to do something like that, but it's just not me that's calling the shots. Is there a way you can contribute to uh, some thinking that creates uh, a family culture? I mean, is there some new traditions that you can start that might just, you know, kick in for the future? Uh, Thoughts on, on how we might just move into a family culture that's different? Well, I I actually think that's a great idea, starting a new tradition, bringing up when everybody's together and just saying, you know, it'd be really fun if maybe next year we, instead of doing the massive big Christmas, why don't we just do little uh, lucky dips, you know, doing a few little fun things where everybody buys five $2 gifts and we just pass it around and do pass the parcel and then we can do um, trading and have, make it a bit of fun rather than this stress and expense that um, they've done in the past because it ends up being a really fun thing to do. Yeah. We've done that for many, many years. Yes, we did. As the, our kids were growing up, the extended family did that. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun and laughter. And you end up with, you know, five little pairs of um, tongs 
And, you know, we loved them. <laughs> just, they were very helpful. Um, but, you know, it was it's just a bit of fun, but it's not the focus yeah. um, of everybody. And honestly, I think writing a card that says something valuable is, says so much more than a gift. Yeah. And our words are really important and, and yeah. share those words and maybe as everyone's together and say, look, what's been a highlight of this year? Yeah. What, it, what are you thankful for for this yeah. year? And what are you looking forward to the new year? And maybe everyone gets a chance to have a voice. Everyone has a chance to have a say. And that actually brings a, a different perspective. It's actually our, our encouragement of what and to make it a joyful time. There might be some people who might say, well, I've had a really terrible 2023, but then we can come alongside them to support them because we may be oblivious to what's going on and make it, that's the new tradition that we're actually much more transparent, much more vulnerable with one another. Still make it fun and still make it as, as, as lively as possible, but it may be an opportunity that people could share what's on their heart. Uh, What's on your heart might be important because it is, isn't it, um, you know, it's amazing that you might expect that everybody's turning up for Christmas and everybody's happy and everyone's had a great year, mm-hmm. but you can't get away from the reality that sometimes we've lost a spouse or a family member and you're going through dreadful grief at Christmas time. And really, you know, some for some people, they just want to go and hide away. Uh, but it might be the best thing to be a part of the family. Maybe it is the best thing to, you know, to have some time. I don't know. I'll get your thoughts here. But when you're suffering from grief, when you have had some real losses, uh, is there something special you ought to do to just prepare for that? Well, yes, absolutely. Um, we were actually we were just talking to a DJ um, the other the, the other day, and he shared a story about one of his friends who. Um, was going through grief, had lost somebody, and they had actually prepared a bit of a sign. So if he picked up his hat, he was not in a good place. And so they saw the person pick up their hat and they said, hey, mate, could you go and grab some ice for me? So that nobody was drawn to that um, crisis, but somebody knew. And then somebody else goes, you know what? One of his other friends goes, I'll come with you to help you get the ice. And so then they were gone for an hour so he could regroup, but he had somebody with him. And so it was a loving, caring space for that person, but they were allowed to be in their grief state. I mean, the Bible's very clear. With those people who are weeping, weep with them. If they're joyful, be joyful with them. And so whilst they removed themselves, they had somebody with them who was grieving with them. Another few things to do is is really be be self-aware of your triggers. Um, you've already identified sometimes it may be good to be around family and friends and that's wonderful. It's actually very therapeutic. And other times it might be saying, I need to limit the amount of people around me. Um, the the memories of the past, I've caught up with a friend during this week who lost his daughter um, at the age of about 15 and should be celebrating her 18th birthday coming up. And so they're actually thinking ahead about how to honour her and how to remember her. The grief is still real. And we can't just be dismissive of people and say, oh, just move on. It's actually moving forward with that grief and being sensitive to um, their, their, this time can be uh, a wonderful time, but it also can conjure up a myriad of different emotions. And it's so, not linear, is yeah, it? It's not no, linear. It's always up and down. And sometimes you're doing well and other days you're crying. You don't understand why you are. All, all, all in the same day. Yeah. So you said get to the 
Christmas event and you could be feeling okay, 20 minutes in, all you want to do is cry. So you just have to have a bit of a strategy about how you're going to manage that. And people need to be really mindful of that. We have to look outside of ourselves. Sometimes we just make it about ourselves, but we need to go in going, we have no idea what that person's story is. Even if it's family, extended family, if you haven't had a lot of contact with them over the year, you don't know what's going on in their life. And so you do have to be mindful that I really don't know what they've walked through. And so be sensitive to that. Is there a sense in which everyone in a family looking out for their brother, their sister, their uncle, their auntie, their parents, their children, uh, that we all have some form of a pastoral care responsibility Mm. for others who are in our family? And I guess that starts with just being aware that maybe not everyone's doing it so well this year. Uh, Is there a certain sense, you know, because you might even be one of the only Christians in your bigger, wider family. And in some sense, does that pastoral care attitude actually reflect Christ? I wonder if you've either of you got a, a thought there about how you might be in a really wonderful reflection of Christ just by being concerned for the needs of others. Oh, very much so. And I'm from your lips to everyone's ears, that <laughs> we have to have that pastoral heart. And as Kate says, looking out outside of ourselves and not about me. But um, if we have that attitude and saying, how can I help you? What's the best thing I can do for you today? Especially if someone is, is being looking a bit fragile. And don't assume, don't actually come up to them and say, I know what you need. It's actually saying, how, what's the best thing I could do for you right now? Is it something practical? Is it something just simply being present, being sitting here with you? being silent or would you like me to distract you asking the person empowering the person to make some decisions for themselves and and that pastoral care is the way that christ looks after us he looks out for us and he uses the body of christ to do his his uh work his words his hands his feet and we can do the same thing in our family with our family members that doesn't mean you can fix everyone's problems and don't go with the attitude to fix everyone's problems just come alongside them and steer them in the right direction. And believe it or not, you'd be surprised at how many people would say, can I pray for you? How many people respond to that and actually say, yes, that would be really nice. And look, look, I've actually had an example of this very thing this morning. So I haven't been well for months. And so my energy is really, really low. And we've got a Christmas thing tomorrow. And my son and daughter-in-law rang and they said, look, do you think you'll be able to come tomorrow, mum? And I said, look, I really hope so. I want to be there. And they said, well, what we've done is we've set up a room so that if you need to just withdraw and rest, um, you can do that. And I thought, how beautiful that they've already thought that having so many people around is going to be exhausting for me, that they've set a room aside that I can go to and rest. And I, I thought, if we, can, if we could all do that, and be mindful and really thinking outside of ourselves of what other people are going to need on the day. How beautiful would that be? How, how different would our Christmases be? And if everyone's chipping in where they're able and contributing a yep. meal around the table and on the lookout for those who are either ill uh, or lacking that sort of energy that you're usually known for, Kate, and uh, the thought of of being able to look out for people who may be in grief, uh, then you're going to be doing something pretty amazing there. Hey, what about strays on Christmas Day? Because, you know, the looking out for our neighbours, you might have 
next door neighbours. There might be people who wander into your local church and they're pretty friendless and uh, they're doing Christmas on their own. Um, ought we be making a place for uh, some strays to be around our own Christmas dinner table? Um, and it, you know, is it is it a wrong thing to say, wait a minute, we've just got it too full and we can't take anyone extra this year? Uh, thoughts around strays on Christmas? Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome them into your home. I think God's been pretty clear on that. Um, well, the, go to the highways and the byways and the, bring them in. Jesus, uh, was, uh, <laughs> when he was just about to be born, didn't have a place to go either. And, uh, and yet the innkeeper offered his shed. And it may have not been the best, but it was something. And if we can offer something to somebody else uh, during this time, uh, Kate's already alluded that we're, we're having two other mature age ladies come to who don't have family here in, in Melbourne. And uh, so we're opening up our home. It's a small thing we can do, but we've just gone and given gifts to our neighbours just around, just to say we're thinking of you and, and Kate's written a card to them. And um, it's those little things that can make all the difference. And, it, and, and in our hustle and bustle and our fast paced world, we can often you know, say things like, oh, how are you? But we don't really wait for the listen. Uh, to the answer. So we need to stop and slow down and listen to what our neighbours or those who may not have a family and actually ask the Holy Spirit, who could I invite that may not have a family member or Christmas this time? And and invite them. And it may not be the, the, you know, you may not have enough food, but let it spread out and you'd be surprised how much God's mathematics, will, I'm sure, to be enough. And I, sometimes we're held back because we go, oh, the table fits exactly the number of people here. Well, it just means that someone leans on the kitchen bench or, or sits on a stool and just add them in. Don't put them on the stool, yourself on the stool. Uh, make them part of the table like they're not an add-on. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than inviting someone and then making them feel like, oh, I had to invite you um, <laughs> because I'm a Christian. Uh, let's be really generous. I mean, God talks about being generous. Um, it's one of the things that we, sh- if, if there's nothing else, we should be generous. With anything that we've got, God will make it multiply. Um, it's just, I, I think, that it's, as we said all along, is looking outside of ourselves. There's two main um, commandments he gives us, and that's love others. Love isn't love unless it's actually demonstrated. You can't say, oh, I really love you, and then do nothing. It's, it's a verb. It's a doing word. <laughs> and so we've got to be proactive. Yeah. Well, special honour to the two of you uh, for putting your own family challenges over the years and offering the wisdom that you do from Focus on the Family. It's the Ryan family. Brett and Kate Ryan, they lead Focus on the Family Australia. It's a wonderful organisation. And uh, Brett and Kate, you've become part of the architecture of Australian families because uh, you're offering such tremendous wisdom. And I know that listeners will have been perhaps even uh, sparked with a new idea or two about right-sizing Christmas and getting the most out of this coming Christmas day. And just before we just wrap up here, I can't help but think while we're talking about all of these different dimensions, um, and we did talk about children a little earlier, but you've got this generational thing and we've caught some values from our own parents some of them good, some of them bad. Uh, we've got children in our families. They're catching the values from us. Some of them good, some of them bad. I imagine that you want to get the balance right and you want good values and good culture around a Christ-centered 
opportunity at Christmas to be passed on to the next generation because generations are important here, aren't they? We are mindful of what our children are learning and understanding, the virtues and the values of Christmas. A final thought from you, perhaps, uh, Brett, around the thought that we have children watching all we do. Uh, Very much so. Never underestimate the value of uh, grandparents and what they can do to contribute. I I spoke to um, a person just this week whose own children uh, haven't been going to faith uh, or going to a church, but the grandchildren went to a Christian daycare center. And so when he went over to the house to actually read a story, the child actually said, I want you to read the Christmas story. And it wasn't, uh, you know, the you know, just the Santa's type. Of, it was the real Christmas story. And I actually said to him, never underestimate the value of a grandparent of role modeling what it means to love God and to love his church. And kids will pick up uh, a lot more what they see, not actually what we say. And I think it's important that we actually role model, not to badger them, not to actually, you know, and we use the word Bible bash them, but just simply be the role model. And Kate's mum is a perfect example of this. Yeah. And, uh, and she actually prays for her grandchildren um, every week. And she actually sends them a text and actually says to them, um, how can I pray for you? And a lot of them don't have an active faith. Um, but they actually send her a list of things to pray for and to intercede. And I think it's an incredible value that we actually um, exhibit what it means to truly love God and to truly love others by actually praying for them or showing practical support. And those things, as I said, are going to be, you know, caught, not just taught. They're going to catch it from us. And if we're serious and relevant and real about our faith, those who are around us will pick that up. John Wesley gave a quote, and it was, whatever we see as optional, our children will see as unnecessary. And so if we make church an option, or following or the Lord or serving the Lord as optional, our children will see it as totally unnecessary. Wow. So we, we have to be very mindful of what we're doing and the example we're setting. Wonderful wisdom today. Brett and Kate Ryan, they lead Focus on the Family to connect with Brett and Kate. And uh, while you're on the website, check out all of the resources that will be a tremendous blessing in your own family as you're building a family culture and centering it around your faith in Christ. Why don't you have a look at families.org.au? families.org.au Brett and Kate thank you so much for sharing your wonderful wisdom and great insights with us once again today on 2020 It's our pleasure and may may all of the listeners have a Christ-centred and a holy new year to live Christ-centred fulfilment in their relationships and their families and may God really bless them abundantly Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.